Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. It's March and this might be the busiest month on the Michigan sports calendar. So much is going on. In just a moment, we'll be joined by Chris Ballas, senior editor at TheWolverine.com, to talk hoops, hockey, football, and much more. First, a few of my thoughts to get us started. March Madness is upon us. This is the last week of regular season play in the Big Ten, and we are still in the race with one game left. Now, we need some help. If Purdue falls in Minneapolis tonight or at Northwestern this weekend, and we beat Sparty, we could still be Big Ten co-champions. The way Purdue is playing right now, that doesn't seem likely, but with both of their games this week on the road, you never know. Sunday we picked up our biggest conference road win of the year, beating a top 20 Maryland. Like so many of our games, the defense led the way, while the offense struggled from the outside and battled through our usual drought. It wasn't pretty, but it was gritty, and it was against a very talented and young Maryland squad. We also did it without Charles Matthews for the second game in a row. On Saturday night at 8 p.m. in the Breslin Center, we might not be playing for a share of the Big Ten Championship, but it's still Sparty, and we owe them one. Any win over Michigan State, especially in their place, is big time. My guest today says he likes how we match up with the Spartans, and he thinks we'll be better prepared for them this time around. Senior Editor Chris Ballas from TheWolverine.com joins us next here on The Michigan Man, in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Here with us on our game day segment this week is senior editor Chris Ballas from TheWolverine.com. It's been a while, Chris. Great to have you back on the show. Hey, great to be with you, Mike. Well, there is so much to talk about. A very busy time, as we know, this time of the year on the Michigan athletics scene. But let's start with uh, Michigan Hoops and Coach John Peline's team. What a huge win on the road Sunday uh, against a uh, top-20 team in Maryland, Chris. Yeah, and uh, really kind of turned the tables from the week before when Michigan State came in, when Michigan had a, a lot of pageantry and they honored the 1989 national champions and had 200 alums there and I think those kids got caught up in the moment and they forgot what got them there. They kind of played some hero ball and, and didn't play great team basketball. Well, on on Sunday, Maryland had, I think they were celebrating the 100th anniversary of Maryland basketball. They had a bunch of alums there. Steve Blake, who played in the NBA, was sitting in the front row. And, and uh, Michigan took uh, a couple of punches early from Maryland and really responded well. Didn't shoot the ball well, but didn't have to because their defense was so good, even without Charles Matthews uh, nursing that ankle injury. And uh, they just really rose to the occasion. And that's the sign of a tough team, man. This, I'll tell you one thing. Everybody talks about, well, this team can't go deep into the tournament if they don't shoot better. And I would tend to disagree with that. Yesterday, they didn't shoot very well, and they still averaged 1.2 points per possession, which is pretty elite, and uh, showed that they could find a way to win again in a hostile environment, just like they did at Villanova earlier in the year when Villanova was dedicating their new arena, the renovated arena. So that shows a lot of guts and uh, led by their leader, Xavier Simpson, that's point guard who just continues to impress. Even with Charles Matthews out, you know, it, it just, you watch this offense and it's pretty much after 30 games, it is what it is. 
they are stone cold so often they go into these droughts but they just keep coming at you and finding ways to gut out wins don't they they do and uh and part of it you know you look at it and you think okay this team goes through lulls but at the same time then they have a, a stretch like they did at the end of the last game uh, against maryland where they made they scored on their last nine possessions so it just looks ugly sometimes because they string together shots they miss shots at the same time you've got three guys who are shooting 37 to 40 percent in big 10 play from three-point range. Uh, Iggy Brasdikas is up there. You've got uh, Isaiah Livers up there and John Teske, who was stone cold yesterday before making a huge one down the stretch. So uh, it's just one of those things where it's not going to be something that looks like an elite offensive team because they are inconsistent. At the same time, the numbers indicate that they're not as bad as people think they are. You look at Ken Palm, for example, the analytics site. Michigan's now 20th in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency, and that's the really the measure of an offensive team. Uh, it's not, you know, look at Duke. They're shooting 30%, I think, from three-point range this year. They find other ways to score and other ways to win. With Michigan, it's possessions. They had four turnovers yesterday, Mike, or on Sunday. And when you do that and you're hoisting more shots, if you miss a few more shots, at least you're getting more shots to try to make up for it. And that's why this team has been able to compensate for, for some poor shooting night. Another reason I think they can compensate for some of those uh, off-shooting nights is uh, the gentleman who has his hands on the ball, Xavier Simpson. I mean, statistically, uh, there are better point guards uh, out there in college basketball. But when you look at what he does for this team, and those what four hook shots yesterday that were amazing, he is the the guts and glue of this team, isn't he? He really is. And it's uh, it's amazing uh, you know, I, I will say this, Maryland didn't do a very good job defending him and taking away his right hand, and that's what Michigan State did pretty well against him. And uh, But the hook shot, man, how do you explain <laughs> that? This kid is uh, literally he's about 5'10". You know, I've stood next to him, and, and uh, he's probably 5'10". And to perfect that shot, he's making a hook shot on the run from probably, uh, you know, eight to nine feet uh, high off the glass. And I'd, I'd love to see, see the statistics on that this year on, on how many he's made. But as Beeline said earlier in the year, he said, this is a kid that is going to find a way to beat you. He said he's just a winner. And, yes, he has limitations. He's not a great shooter. Hasn't really developed a floater that I thought he would and that I saw in high school. And I thought, okay, that's going to be his go-to shot because he's not always going to be able to get to the rim. But he has found ways to elevate his game. And we talk about statistics. No, he's not a 15-point-per-game scorer, but there aren't many in the better in the country in assist-to-turnover ratio. And that's what they ask him to do and get other guys involved. And he does it just about as well as anybody in the country. Well, another kid I continue to be amazed by is, is Iggy Brasdakis and how the moment, it, it really is not too big for him. He is just a special kind of a player, isn't he, Chris? He thrives on those environments. And you saw they started chanting, you are ugly to him when he was at the free throw line. And, uh, and he ate it up. You could see it. His face, literally, his face took on a different expression like, all right, and, uh, and he goes out and just dominates, and he's blowing kisses to the crowd. Reminded me of Nick Stauskas, uh, to be honest with you, the guy who is really part of the reason that Brasdakis is at Michigan. Those two are from the same area, and Nick would work out with, with Iggy uh, up in uh, Mississauga, Ontario, where they're from. And, and he told, told him about Michigan, and the kid <clears throat> decided that, hey, I'm going to follow in Stauskas' footsteps. He looked up to him, and those guys have the same mentality, or at least in college when they were on the court, they thrive on those situations. I remember a game at Illinois when Stauskas uh, was 
out there just before halftime, and this was the year they won the Big Ten Championship by three games, and the crowd started chanting USA when he had the ball in his hands, you know, mocking his <laughs> Canadian heritage, and he hit a three from about 27 feet, and he looks at the student section and just stared him down. That's what Brasdakis brings. That's the edge that you need. When things are going wrong, you need that one guy to take over a game or to take over down the stretch. Brasdakis did that yesterday, or Sunday, rather, in a uh, in an unbelievable environment. Well, another player that continues to impress despite some inconsistencies is Big John Teske. I mean, you saw Sunday, he just was not on from three-point land. Even in inside the three-point circle, he just could not hit anything. But he just keeps coming at you, and that last three that he hit late in the game was just a dagger, wasn't it? And that's what positive reinforcement does for you and and everybody when everybody else like you and me are sitting there saying stop shooting you know my god what are you doing John Beeline's telling him you need to make that shot they set a play for him and that's exactly what they did in the first Maryland game and saying you can make that shot we're going to call your number again and you're going to make that shot and and that's exactly what he did down the stretch now Yes, he's inconsistent when it comes to shooting the ball sometimes, but there are no more consistent players in the country on the defensive end. And you saw what he did against Bruno Fernando, uh, Maryland's elite uh, center who's going to be playing in the NBA probably next year. Uh, the way that he walls off and as smart as he is defensively, uh, literally not a better defensive big man in the country in terms of, of knowledge of what he's supposed to do on defense and how he plays inside when he walls off and he doesn't foul I mean it's just uh, it's unbelievable what he's accomplished and never saw it I'll be honest with you um it's one of those things where you see him in high school and you say okay you're going to trust John Beeline here because yes he's got size and he can shoot a little bit he's somewhat coordinated but you know is he going to be a guy that's going to help you win a championship or help you uh, compete for a Big Ten championship he has gone above and beyond already in his junior year anything that I ever thought he would be and uh, now you're starting to see him uh, on offense with that three-pointer. He's still shooting about 35% from three, even after yesterday's uh, poor showing and hitting big shots. This is a guy that, uh, in my opinion, is probably the most improved player in the Big Ten from last year. Well, we have the week off uh, to rest and get ready for Sparty in on Saturday in East Lansing. It's going to be an evening game. And still in the race, some things have to happen this week. Purdue's on the road for two games, Minnesota and Northwestern, I don't think it's uh, out of the realm of possibility they could lose one of those games. So any way you look at it, it's going to be a huge one in East Lansing at the Breslin Saturday night. It is, and they've got a little bit more time to prepare now. And I think, you know, listening to John Beeline talk, and you can kind of tell that he feels pretty confident about his team's chances up there. Now, he hasn't said it, and he gives Michigan State all the respect in the world, but Michigan, I like the matchups, and uh, you got to give uh, a tip of the cap to Michigan State and what they did at Michigan a week ago in, in coming in and, and spoiling the party, so to speak. Cassius Winston was unbelievable, but they're going to find different ways to defend him, and they're going to uh, what they did was take away the three-point line for him, but left other shooters open. Uh, you had guys making mistakes they hadn't made in weeks in that game. There was no way, none that Michigan State should have scored 77 points in that game, and 70 should have been plenty to win for Michigan. I think you're going to see a much better effort. And uh, it would help if they get Charles Matthews back, the redshirt 
uh, junior wing has, is still nursing that ankle injury. There was a, an erroneous report by ESPN that he had significant ligament damage. He doesn't. It's just sore. Uh, it wouldn't surprise if they rested him for the Big Ten tournament and just to make sure that he's completely 100%. But uh, we do know, based on people that we've talked to, that he'll, he really wants to play at the Breslin Center. Having another defensive stopper out there would certainly help. Um, but you know what? State's got one more to play. they got to play Nebraska at home. If Nebraska hadn't – they've got talent. If they hadn't mailed it in, I would say, hey, keep an eye on that game because Michigan State's got their own share of injuries. But I would expect that those two teams – depending on what happens with Purdue at Minnesota on Tuesday night, uh, we'll still have a chance to be playing for the Big Ten title on on Saturday, and uh, Purdue still has to go to Northwestern. I, I'll tell you what, Mike, stranger things have happened. Oh, yeah. You look at, Who would have guessed that Michigan State would have lost two to Indiana, for example? Right. So, And uh, I, it would not stun me at all if, if Minnesota, who is playing for their NCAA tournament lives, knocked off Purdue tomorrow night. Well, that's right, and strange things happen when you play Northwestern and Evanston, too. It, it's not going to be an easy week for them. No, it's not. Two road games, and it's tough to win on the road in the Big Ten. It's a cliche, but it, it's more true than ever this year. You look at Rutgers, you look at Penn State, you look at Illinois. It's tough to win on the road in the Big Ten, period, and more so this year than any other year I can ever remember, and that's uh, that's really that's not hyperbole. That's the truth. Well, looking ahead, it seems like analysts, experts, uh all seem to think whatever happens this week and even in the Big Ten tournament that both Michigan and Michigan State are two seeds in the NCAA. Do you agree with that? You know, I, I'm not sure. If Michigan State, for example, were to lose another game um, and then get bounced early in the tournament, uh, I think they could move to a three. I think that Michigan could possibly. I think based on what happened over the weekend, that Marquette losing and Nevada losing certainly helped Michigan's cause and Michigan State's cause. I do think the most likely scenario is for them to end up as two seeds, but it would not stun me if one of the two, uh, maybe the loser of the Michigan-Michigan State game, went down to three. But you've got to look at Michigan in that respect, and they'd have five losses overall. And you look at their overall body of work and what they did to North Carolina and what they did to uh, to Villanova on the road. I, I understand that Villanova is not what they were last year, but it's still an impressive win and think, okay, a five-loss team in one of the toughest conferences in the country is probably going to be a two-seed. Um, so, And Michigan State's got more quad one wins, I think, than anybody in the country. So I think that's the most likely scenario. But if you have one or the other lose two in a row to end the year, I could see one of them slip into a three. Either way, you know, that's uh, that, that's going to be – it all depends on the draw. As John Beeline said the other day, he said, I don't care about seeding. I don't care about where we play. He said it's more about matchups you can run into a team in the first couple of games that you just don't match up very well with, and you can be done uh, just like that. We almost saw it last year with Houston, which gave Michigan an incredible game, but also which lost this weekend, which helps Michigan's chances to get a two seed. But that's what it really comes down to, and uh, so we'll be watching on Selection Sunday really more about the draw than about the seed. Well, big week coming up, of course, uh, and it is great to have the rest. Hopefully get Charles Matthews back on Saturday night in East Lansing for that state game. So we'll see what happens. Uh, let's switch gear and talk about the women for a minute, Chris. Uh, big game, big win on uh, Sunday. Uh, beat Wisconsin 59-45, and that makes eight consecutive 20-win seasons and marks the first time we've won 10-plus Big Ten games in three straight seasons. Kim barnes Rico is doing a great job, isn't she? She is, and I think people are still waiting to see her take that next step um, to – okay, are they going to get the championship-level basketball? And it's tough. It's tough in a league like this. I think this is the, is this the first year they've ever gotten a double bye? I think so, in yes. The tournament? Yes. Yeah, and so and that's another step, you know. But people want to see them 
you know, beat Michigan State on the regular, for example, and not going to, going to Michigan State in a game where you can win and, and maybe should win and, and lay an egg. At the same time, you've got to uh, you've got to tip your cap to, cap to what she's accomplished there, and uh, and you hope you know you hope to see. Uh, again, that next step. This is a program that I think has won one women's NIT uh, in its history, and you want to see them get to that level now. And you see that in programs, in good programs. Michigan State, for example, when the men started to win, then you saw the women really start to climb up, and and uh, and really, really built a great program there. So I think that's what people are waiting to see that next step. But there's no arguing with the fact that she's done a, a very good job here at a program that really where women's basketball was an afterthought and making it uh, one of those really solid programs. Now it's time, I think, a lot of people think to take it to the next level. Do you think there's any fear that this team will not get an NCAA bid? I don't think so. Uh, I've been wrong before when it comes to that. And, uh, you know, you're kind of stunned uh, and on Selection Sunday. But I do think... Uh, it would certainly behoove them to uh, to continue their solid play and maybe win a game or two in, in the Big Ten tournament, and uh, and that would be that would certainly help their chances. Well, hockey dropped a pair to uh, Wisconsin over the weekend. Kind of a disappointing season for Coach Pearson and the team, wasn't it? Yeah, very disappointing season. And again, goaltending. I was watching part of the games this weekend, and uh, you know, just some head scratching plays and uh, some head scratching plays by the defense too. They left their goaltenders out to dry at times, but. Uh, just haven't, for whatever reason, have not found that year. And, and that mentality that they had last year where you kind of felt, okay, they're going to find ways to win and they're going to improve as the year goes on, which is what they generally do, what Mel Pearson teams generally do, uh, and you didn't see it. And with like Pearson said in the post game he, after the second game, he said, you know, with everything that was at stake, uh, some of the plays we made, he said it was, it was really disappointing. And uh, now they're going to be playing on the road, I believe, in the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, you know, you had a chance in both of those games to, to really lock it up and, and uh, just really no excuse for it. And, uh, but, you know, bad goaltending is, is tough to overcome. We saw a couple of weak goals again uh, over the weekend and just inconsistency all around, especially on the defensive end, I think is really kind of the head scratchers. So uh, the good news is, is that the Big Ten isn't great and you can make a run if you, uh, if you get hot and this team has the talent to do it. But at some point, you are who you are, at, at you know, and, and you would hope that, okay, for example, the basketball team at the end of last year, they started putting things together at the end of the year, and you thought, okay, this team really has a chance based on the way they're playing. It would be out of character for this team now to really string it together and put together a string of wins that gets them that automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. Well, as we said, a lot going on uh, on the Michigan athletics scene right now. Softball is off to what some might consider a disappointing start. I think they're seven and eight right now. They had a good weekend out in the uh, Judy Garmin Classic, didn't they? Yeah, I think nine and eight now after a couple of wins. And, um, you know, they beat Washington's number three pitcher, I guess, uh, yesterday or Sunday, and uh, Washington's number five in the country. But you take any win you get, uh, you can get against the number five team in the country. They won four to two, and that's a big win for them. So beat number two UCLA three to one on Friday. So they're starting to show signs, and then they won one to nothing um, against one of the California teams out there. So that's good to see. And uh, and you expect again, uh, you expect a, a Hutchins team to to really start to get better and start to improve and uh, you want to see him hit a little bit better but at the same time they're starting to show signs of life and that's the one program on campus that I worry least about in terms of are they going to be 
improving and getting better at the end of the year. Bo Schembechler used to say, uh, you know, or and Jerry Hanlon, Michigan's former offensive line coach, that Hutch was the best coach on campus. And uh, I think she's, you know, in a lot of ways, she's proven that over the years. Man, it's early. Uh, the bats uh, do have to come around, but some of the fans have been worried about the pitching struggles, especially of yep. uh, All-American Megan Bobian. She's 4-3 and three right now, turned in a couple of strong performances over the weekend. It's really way too early to get concerned about that, isn't it? It is, yep. And uh, that's something that, okay, you're playing great competition, right? If you go back and look through the schedule, number seven Arizona number five Florida you go right down the list number nine LSU you know and it's not like they're getting lit up uh, in in most of these games so uh, I think uh, for the most part you know you look at it and you think okay there's room for improvement and this team is going to improve it's early in the season Uh, you know 17 games is nothing given the number of games they played and again showing signs of life uh, over the weekend, uh, certainly a good sign going forward. Well, baseball was also in action out in California over the weekend against Cal Northridge. They are off to an eight and one start. Very impressive, isn't it, Chris? It is. And uh, you know what? I think they were the only Big Ten team to be ranked in the preseason by everybody, uh, by all of the polls. And uh, they're living up to it now. You've got uh, a kid in Tommy Henry who is just uh, outstanding uh, the pitcher. I think he was... I think he hadn't allowed a run in 23 innings or something like that, uh, 34 strikeouts. So uh, it's fun, man. And it's, it's you know how tough it is for Northern teams in baseball uh, to be competitive. So, you know, this is not a team that where you're looking and saying, okay, this is going to be a, a team that's favored to win the, the College World Series or anything. There are just inherent disadvantages uh, playing in the North. But they are they have really thrived under Eric Backwitz where gotten getting to that point where they're consistently good. Uh, if they can make a run, maybe make a college world series here uh, every now and then, then you're saying, okay, that's uh, that's pretty darn good. He probably wouldn't agree with me. And he would probably say we, we are shooting for more than that, but realistically what they're doing right now uh, and the way he's recruiting, uh, I like it. I, I really like uh, seeing, uh, seeing what they've accomplished and, you know, Dave Brandon, Michigan's former AD, he said, you know, the one thing we always want to do uh, is compete for, for Big Ten championships in all of our sports. I think this team is certainly in position to do that. Well, football is never far from our thoughts. Spring practice is right around the corner, Chris. And, you know, as always, I'm not sure what we will learn over the next couple of uh, <laughs> weeks or months watching this, but it is good to have football back, isn't it? It is, and we probably won't learn much because we just don't get the access. You know, Jim Harbaugh is gone back into that submarine we never even talked to the the to him during signing day for either recruiting signing day this year which is interesting and uh so uh, i think the do more say less mantra that the basketball team used i think that's kind of where jim harbaugh is right now and they've got a lot to prove after coming off a, a couple of crappy losses if we're being honest to end the year last year when they were so close to realizing their goal of finally going to Indianapolis and competing for a Big Ten championship. So uh, there are some holes to fill, big questions on the defensive line, the interior line, uh, and, you know, who's going to be the running back now that Chris Evans is at least for now off the team. And uh, from what he said in a tweet, based due to uh, academic issues. So uh, it's going to be a young guy and an unproven guy, most likely, who gets the nod there. But, you know, we expected the passing game to be, Featured more with Josh Gaddis, Michigan's new offensive coordinator, being incorporated and with a quarterback like Shea Patterson uh, who can sling it. Um, I think that they were planning on opening it up anyway. So, And it's not like they don't have any talent there uh, with a Christian Turner, a redshirt freshman, and a true freshman in Zach Charbonnet. But the positions we'll be watching is uh, second cornerback. Can Ambry Thomas step up as a junior 
and, and fill in for David Long, who's off to the NFL, had a great year. And uh, those guys are going to be on an island, and it's going to be up to that defensive line, a revamped defensive line that loses Chase Winovich and Rashawn Gary to get some pressure so that they don't have as much pressure on them in the back end. So going to be interesting to see, and uh, but it should be fun to watch as always. I, I never really worry about a Don Brown defense. Yes, it's been gashed at times, but at the same time, uh, this guy seems to know what he's doing. As we said, we're not going to learn much uh, watching spring practice over the next month and a half or so. And then uh, the thing uh, after practice is the trip to South Africa. I was getting to the point in February where I was wondering, are they going to take a trip this year? But that will, again, be a great educational experience for the team and keep the program in the news, won't it? It will. And I think more than anything, it's a team bonding thing. And we saw it last year. You know, more, not everybody went to Paris last year, which was kind of disappointing. If you have this opportunity to see the world, take advantage of it. You know, you never know. Um, and most of the kids that were there, uh, for example, really soaked it in. And, and it's like Harbaugh says, you know, the world is your classroom. I learned a lot on that trip myself. We went over there and you learn more, you know, experiencing it and going to some of these museums than you would ever reading in a textbook and actually seeing it for yourself. So that's why I'm excited for these kids. And I guess it was completely booked this trip. All Everybody wanted to go, uh, all these kids. And so they're, I think, uh, probably 99% of the team is going to be going on this trip and it should be a, a fantastic experience for them. I don't know exactly what they've got planned. I know that they're probably going to be doing a safari and things like that. Um, but Johannesburg, Cape town, I think they're going to, uh, should be a lot of fun for them. And, uh, uh, I don't think media is going to be going to this one. I don't think, uh, man, that's a long trip, Mike, you know, <laughs> and uh, and an expensive one. We've priced it out and uh, the logistics, I don't think you're going to see SPN there, but at the same time, uh, Michigan will probably have their own writers there that follow the program and we should be able to, to see some of the fun that they're having over there. Well, it's going to be an interesting spring uh, watching what happens down there. And of course we have a big couple of weeks from men's basketball, women's basketball, and even hockey, if they can get something going in the uh, the Big Ten tournament. So a lot to talk about. And as always, uh, a pleasure to have uh, Chris Ballas with us, senior editor from TheWolverine.com. Chris, thank you for your time, and we look to have you back here in the uh, next month or so and see what's going on. Anytime, Mike. Thanks for having me. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, women's hoops beat Wisconsin Sunday in the regular season finale, 67-58. They are 20-10 overall, 11-7 in Big Ten play. And next up is the Big Ten tournament this weekend in Indy. For the first time in program history, we received a double bye and will begin play in the quarterfinals at 2.30 p.m. on Friday. Hockey dropped a pair to Wisconsin in Madison to end the regular season, both in overtime, 5-4 on Friday, and 4-3 on Saturday. Friday Big Ten tournament play gets underway in Minneapolis against Minnesota, and it's best two out of three in the first round. We are 13-14-7 overall, 9-10-5 in Big Ten play. Softball had a good weekend out in California, despite having two games rained out. They were in the Judy Garman Classic in Fullerton and got wins against number 2 UCLA, number 5 Washington, and host Cal State Fullerton. This week they head to the Desert and the ASU Invitational for five games. They will play one game each against James Madison, Lehigh, New Mexico State, South Dakota, and host Arizona State. 
They are 9-8 heading into this weekend's play. Baseball is off to a great 8-1 start, and in the midst of a 10-day, 8-game trip in California, midweek they will play UC Irvine and Long Beach State. This weekend they head to Chavez Ravine and the Dodger Stadium Classic, where they will have one game each with UCLA, USC, and Oklahoma State. If you get the show from iTunes, please take a minute to comment or rate the program, and we thank you in advance for doing that. Our free show app is available from the iTunes and Google Play stores, and you can also hear us weekly on Stitcher, iHeart, TuneIn, and Spotify. That will do it for another week. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine weekend, everyone, and until next time, take care, and as always, Go Blue! Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!